Hey, good morning. Uh, we're glad that you're joining us. Hey, before I jump into my sermon, there's two things I want to share with you as we get started. One thing, um, as we have watched our live stream, there's a couple of conclusions we've come to. And so we are continuing to uh, maybe change the things we do in our presentation. One of those things is we realized that the overall content needed to be condensed down. And so we've worked this Sunday on uh, kind of condensing down our announcements and the sermon. So uh, we understand as you're sitting and watching, it's a little bit different than if you are in person. So if you just keep that in mind, we're aware of that and we're working towards that end. Second thing I want to do is I want to give a shout out to Byron Smith this morning. This is uh, Byron's fifth anniversary with our church. And um, we just want him to know that he's loved and appreciated all that he, he's done. And uh, it's been a joy for many of us to watch him grow as a pastor. Um, so many things I could share, but uh, that's blessed my heart. Also, just understanding how invaluable he is in the time we are presently in. And he has just been invaluable in that. But also for us as a church, uh, I realize and many of you realize that he is vital uh, to the days ahead for us as a church as uh, we utilize him as a young leader in our church and God taking us into a fresh vision of the future. So you be sure and give a shout out to Byron by text or email or however you want to, you call him. I do want you to know that we are presenting him with a Lowe's gift card. He's got some projects in his backyard that I think he would like to do and he can use this. And so you know that the church has blessed him in that way. And uh, if you'll just, uh, you, you encourage him in um, his ministry and we just want him to know that he's loved and appreciated. Hey, so this morning, we, I wanna continue for us to look towards the future and there will come a day that uh, the, this time, this season that we are in is going to pass. And my question last week was, what do we take from this experience? And I, I wanted us to utilize a, a picture. And it goes back to the book of Joshua. And you can look in this in chapter 3 and 4. And it is a time frame in which the children of Israel have come to the edge of the promised land. But they are still in the wilderness and uh, the Jordan River uh, is between them and the promised land. Now understand in the wilderness, the man they've wandered for 40 years. Moses has now died. Joshua is their leader and God's going to take them across. I don't know what they thought, how God was going to get them across the Jordan River, but there's a million plus of them. And it would have taken a while uh, with safety precautions to try to get them across. Uh, but, but God says, I'm going to perform a miracle. And I love there's a statement in, in Joshua 3. He says, you've never passed this way before. But God was going to take them to a new place. And He was going to take them through the river. As their forefathers had crossed the Red Sea, God said, I'm, I'm going to stop the water of the Jordan and you're going to walk across and as I shared last week, uh, God instructed Joshua to say, I, I want one man from every tribe to take a stone from that river. 
And I want you to take those 12 stones and I want you to put them on the other side as a memorial so that you will remember this day that God miraculously transitioned you from the promised land, uh, I'm sorry, from the wilderness to the promised land. And I wanted that visual picture in the time that we are passing through uh, to say, what is it? What are the stones that we take out of the river of this experience to memorialize on the other side? And last week we talked about faith in our homes. And I think that was actually the biggest one, the biggest stone that I thought, no, that's the big takeaway is we ought to... Uh, our faith needs to move more from the four walls of this church to our homes, and we ought to be raising our kids in the faith as the primary spiritual uh, ones who are forming them. Uh, but, but God does an amazing work in Joshua 3 and 4 and crossing them over into the promised land. And it is a transitional time. But here, here's what I want you to grasp this morning. In addition to that, as we continue to say, okay, what's the, what's the next stone that we take from the river? I want you to know that it took them one day to cross that river, and probably not even a full day. God said, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to stop the water, and I want everybody to be prepared, and you hustle up and you get across the river. Uh, it's going to be a new life. The manna's going to stop. Uh, God's presence in the cloud by day and the fire by night have led them to this place. But after this, no, that's it. No, this is going to be a new place. And the transition time uh, happens very quickly. It's one day. And I want us to get the sense that change many times comes very quickly. In fact, if I had to condense it down to us, the truth that I, want, I would want you to understand as a church and as an individual is this, that crisis accelerates the future. Crisis experiences uh, don't just take us into the future, but crisis happens, uh, it accelerates us into the future. Change happens very quickly in the midst of crisis and that's part of what we are experiencing in our personal lives and in our church's lives in the, the COVID-19 uh, crisis that we find ourselves in. Uh, please understand that when we get to the other side of this, we will understand that this has been a transformational time. That will be true in the medical world. That will be true in the business world, in education. It will also be true in the church. One of the stones, the second stone that I would say we take from the river to memorialize this time, uh, relates to technology. And I believe that stone that we take is an expanded digital connection. 
I believe when we get to the other side, one of the things that's going to change is we will have an expanded digital connection. We will be connecting with people through technology in a way that we did not do before this experience. In fact, your very presence sitting in your living room, me talking to you over the internet is a testament to that. And this is not the way it's always going to be. We're going to get back together. But what we've passed through is going to be transformational in the church. Now, if I had to give you a biblical basis for what I want to challenge you with today, uh, it would come from Acts chapter 11, verses 19, 20, and 21. And these are verses actually we have already covered about five weeks ago. In fact, my first sermon uh, by live stream included this text. But I want you to see this again because there's another dimension to this that I probably didn't really get down into uh, that first sermon five weeks ago. But it says in Acts 11, verse 19, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenist, preaching the Lord Jesus. In verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Uh, this experience in Acts is a transformational time in which the early church moved from the uh, Hebrew-Aramaic-speaking Jews to the broader world of the Greek-speaking Jews and Gentiles. And God does a new work in their midst because of this transformation uh, and the church of Antioch, as I described five weeks ago, becomes the driving force of the early church because they made the transformation from the limited world of the Aramaic-speaking Jews to the larger world of the Greek-speaking Jews and Gentiles. Now, you'll notice in the text in verse 19, it talks about the crisis that they passed through. It says, now those who were scattered after the persecution. And I noted this five weeks ago. <laughs> this was not a good time. This was a time of great persecution. But that crisis becomes the crucible in which God does a new work. And I want you to get that sense through the time that we are passing through. And what happens in verse 20, well, it says in verse 19 that they had just been speaking to the Jews. And what they meant were the Jews from uh, Palestine that predominantly spoke Aramaic. 
And it says in verse 21, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who were from, not from that um, location, who when they had come to Antioch, outside of Palestine, spoke to the Hellenist, preaching the Lord Jesus. Um, the Hellenist were the Greek-speaking people. And I know this may be a little bit confusing to you, but I want to talk about three languages just briefly so that you get this in mind. The language Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Uh, let's start with Hebrew. Uh, the Old Testament Scripture was written in Hebrew. In fact, I brought my Hebrew Bible. Uh, you're going to notice that it's not as going to be as worn as my Greek New Testament here in just a minute. But um, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and but really by the time of the first century, uh, it was not the language that the people spoke. Uh, the biblical scholars still dug down into that, and they studied the Old Testament Scriptures. If I were to give a parallel for today, it would be like us studying Shakespeare in Old English. It's a language that we understand, but it's not the language that we speak. Uh, and I think that's a good uh, parallel between Hebrew and that second language I want to talk about, which is Aramaic. Uh, the Jews in Palestine in the first century, in Jesus' ministry and in Paul's ministry that we're looking at in the book of Acts, that first century, they spoke predominantly Aramaic. It was their what we would call their heart language. It was what they, they were raised with. It was what they talked, used in, on a daily basis. Uh, in fact, Jesus would have spoke Aramaic. And I'm sure he would have known Hebrew and he would have known some Greek. Well, he's God. He knows it all. But anyhow, as a man, uh, he, he predominantly spoke Aramaic. We see this in certain quotes from the New Testament. Uh, one, for instance, would be from Matthew 27, 46. He's on the cross and he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which the New Testament writers translate and say, he is quoting, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, that's not a Hebrew quote. That's an Aramaic quote. Uh, and in the New Testament, then it's translated into the Greek. And so Hebrew was the first language. It's the Old Testament. The second language is Aramaic, which the people where the gospel started and the ministry of Jesus happened. That's what they spoke. The third language, though, was the Greek language. In fact, it is what our New Testament is written in. So you can see that I've spent more time in my Greek New Testament than I have in my Hebrew Bible. Uh, the New Testament was written in Greek. And you say, well, why is that? Why wasn't it written in, in Aramaic? And it goes back 300 years before the first century when Alexander the Great conquered the world. And Alexander is a Greek. And he not only conquers the world militarily, politically, but he spreads the Greek culture and in turn the Greek language upon the world so that by the time of the first century, the Greek language is the language of culture and business. Um, and so 
when the New Testament is written, this is very critical. When the New Testament is written, it's not written in Hebrew. It's not written in Aramaic. It's written in Greek. And it's for the simple reason that more people understood in the broader world Greek than any other language. It was, in essence, the universal language of the day. Two things I want you to draw from this. I know that's been kind of a history lesson, a linguistics lesson, but it's very important to, I think, what we're talking about today, the biblical basis, and even the passage from Acts 11, where this transformation happens from the Aramaic-speaking people to the Greek-speaking people. And really what we see is the gospel just explodes from there. There's two concepts. Uh, most of the ancient world and a lot of the modern world is multilingual. Multilingual. Uh, most of us Americans know English. Um, but when, the, when people are multilingual, there is one language that they would consider their heart language. In Africa, they describe it like this, because in Africa, there is a tribal language. But say, in where we go, in West Africa, French, because it was a French colony, the country we go to, is the uh, more universal language. But in, in the midst of our country, there are a number of tribal languages. And what the Africans will say is, my tribal language is the language that my mother spoke to me. It is my heart language. Yes, I know French. I know some of the other tribal languages. I understand them. But there is a language that is my heart language. Uh, for the first century Jews, Aramaic was that heart language. Uh, that's what their mother spoke to them. Yes, they understood Greek, but it was not their heart language. But if you're going to promote the gospel and you're going to write the account of it, do it in Greek because more people know that than your heart language. And so even in, in where the country we go, uh, we, are, we are working through a translator and speaking the gospel to, the, to our people group in their tribal language. There is actually there's a church in the larger town uh, where we go. But it is not the tribal language of our people. It is not their heart language. And so there's a little bit of a disconnect there. In the church that we go to, they will speak that other tribal language. And they will also many times translate in French. But it's not the heart language. The gospel was meant to be translated primarily in the heart language, even though uh, the Greek New Testament uh, speaks of it in terms that the broader audience can know. Uh, there is this episode in Acts 21 when Paul is arrested uh, by a mob scene and he gets the Roman soldiers allow him to speak to the crowd of Jews that are there that day. He would have known Greek, but it says he didn't speak Greek that day. He spoke to them in Hebrew, the Hebrew dialect, which is another way of saying Aramaic, and everyone stopped and listened to him for a while because he spoke to them in their heart language. And so understand there is a difference between a language that you know and a heart language. Here's the other thing. In the first century, there were a certain number of people 
that knew Aramaic. But there was a vastly larger group of people that understood Greek. And for the gospel to reach a larger audience, it had to broaden out linguistically by the Greek language. More people spoke Greek than any other language. And for the gospel to go out, it had uh, transformationally to change from a predominantly Aramaic Jewish setting linguistically to uh, the Hellenistic world. Now, whoo, boy, I say all of that. You say, what does that have to do? Here's the point. The digital communication of our day through technology is a language. It is a way of communicating the gospel. And in fact, what we understand is it broadens our audience when we speak not only face to face, but we, we speak digitally through technology in our day. Um, now, change has been coming. Uh, it's been coming since the internet started almost 30 years ago. And there is more and more digital communication. It just continues to expand and expand. Here's what happened, though. In the midst of this crisis, the church was forced to up its game in the digital connection with our world. When we get out of this, we will not be the same in society and culture that we were before this experience, and that will be true to the church. Let me say this to you, church, and to individual Christians. The point of this experience is not to get back to normal. It is to take God's purpose for this season and say there is something that God is doing in this time to take us to a new place. For Joshua and the children of Israel, it was crossing the Jordan and going into the promised land. This crisis has accelerated the future. I kind of got this vision of Joshua and the children of Israel. and They came up to the river, and if God hadn't had a plan, they would have said, well, okay, we've got to get over there. So here we go. We're going to create some rafts and, some, I don't know, some kind of system, and we're going to, we're going to start uh, ferrying people across the river. It wouldn't have taken days. It would have been more than weeks. It would have been months to get the million-plus children of Israel across that river. God said, no, we're not, we're, going, we're not going to do it like that. No, I'm going to stop the water, and there's going to be one day, and you're going to have a window for you to get across. And uh, I sense in our world that the transformation of this time has been, God said there's going to be a short period of time in here, and y'all realize the number of people today that watch church digitally Today is just far beyond the people that would have been inside the four walls of our church. We will get to the other side of this, and it will not be about getting back to normal. It will be taking a stone out of the river and saying, and saying, okay, God, we've got to, we've got to remember this. This is a memorial that 
you, this was a transformational time. Please understand that technology broadens our audience. It's like that Greek language that uh, broadens our audience. Uh, technology broadens the audience for the gospel. That, we live in such an amazing, exciting time, quite honestly. It's not a good time. We don't, these are not good circumstances. But our God is so good that He redeems this time for His purposes. Please understand this. It doesn't matter what language you use. The gospel is still the same. Whether the gospel was spoken in Hebrew, whether it was spoken in Aramaic, or whether it was spoken in, in Greek, the gospel is the gospel that God loved us so much that He sent His Son in human flesh to teach us about God, to show God's glory, but ultimately to die on a cross and to demonstrate His deity and His glory by being raised from the dead on the third day so that all the world would know that there is salvation in no other other than Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. It doesn't matter whether I speak it to you in English today, whether I, I speak it in Greek, even though you're not going to understand, whether we speak it through a translator in, in our African villages, in their heart language that they understand. The gospel is the gospel. And as many languages, avenues, mechanisms, means that we can send that out, the better. The digital world has expanded we must utilize that language to broaden our audience for the gospel. Think about what we would have done 20 years ago if we had been through this crisis and all the churches were shut down. Well, wouldn't have live, we wouldn't have had live stream. Uh, we would have just sat at home. And we could have made some phone calls and we could have sent some letters to let the church family know this is where we're at. Uh, but we would have just waited. But we live in a day where there are technical uh, capabilities where I can come to you today uh, even as we practice social distancing. We've, <laughs> we do the live stream on Sunday morning through technology. I do the daily devotionals uh, through technology, 1205 every day. Think about where else do I have the capabilities of connecting with about 50 of our people uh, except in this way uh, to, on a daily basis, to do our daily devotionals and, uh, and people, whether they watch it live or they watch it later, to be able to connect with them. Whether it's Facebook and watching our baptismal videos, which are such a blessing, Hey, whether it's me speaking to our translator, our only baptized believer among our people group in Africa through Facebook Messenger, yeah, uh, just like I can call you on the phone, if the, if the Internet's working in Africa, I can talk to our translator just like I talk to you on, on my phone. What an amazing capability uh, that is. Now, here's the reality. Many of us were not raised with this language. And the older you get, the harder it is to learn a language. Um, but here's my challenge to you. We must learn this digital communication, connection, for the sake of the gospel. 
That's true for us as a church. That is true for us as individuals. Once again, it is another way that God is moving the church outside the four walls. It is a way for us to connect people to the gospel. Is it the most effective? Maybe not. Is it better for us to worship in person and see each other? Sure. Uh, this technology may not be your heart language, it may not be my heart language, but it is the language of the day and gives us the capabilities to do things that we would have never been able to do before. Uh, our directional statement from the start of the year is this, and I want to close with this, that we exist to connect the disconnected to Christ, His church, and His cause. And my simple challenge to you is that one of the stones that we take from the river is an expanded digital connection that we would utilize the technology that God, that God has allowed man to invent as a way of promoting the gospel just as God used the Greek language in the first century. Now, some of you who are older, uh, my, say my parents' generation remembers can remember when the phone started, that form of communication. Or whether it was radio. Maybe you remember the gospel being preached through the radio. Surely you remember when television came, because even I remember that, and people started preaching the gospel on television. Well, today, it's a digital world. Uh, and it is a way that we communicate the gospel. And the gospel is this, that Jesus Christ came in human flesh and gave His life on the cross and was raised in power on the third day and that if you believe in Him uh, you can have a connection, a relationship with the everlasting Father in heaven and someday He will take you there. Uh, it doesn't matter how you hear the gospel. The gospel message is the same and we, we challenge you uh, that today would be a day that you would give your life to Christ. I want to close in prayer and I want to say this though. Uh, if you need to speak to someone about a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, I am available uh, by cell phone. You can call me as soon as this is over. You can also call Cricket Maury. She's available. Um, or you can text us or you can email any of us, including Byron on staff. You can text him, uh, reach out to him. We would love to talk to you, uh, even though we are not meeting in person. Uh, we want to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ and I would just urge you uh, to reach out to us uh, that God would use this time to draw you closer to Him. And so let me pray this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you for uh, your presence, your care in our lives. We thank you that you're a God who's in control of the circumstances that we pass through regardless of what it is. And so, Father, I pray that you would redeem the time that we are in. It would be for your glory and for your honor. And, Father, I pray that there would be a sweeping revival that would come, Father, as we come out of this. And, Father, as you draw people to yourself. And we pray that Jesus, more than anything, would be lifted up. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.